Welcome to day three of our look through Hebrews chapter nine. We're going to look at verses 15 to 23 today. In fact, I'd like to begin by reading those verses. And as I read these verses, you might listen to what it has to say about the blood of Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it, because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who has made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and he sprinkled the scroll and all of the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. This talks about the blood, the blood that cleansed the first covenant, looking forward to the fact that Jesus' blood was going to cleanse us. And one of the questions all of us have behind this, and may be a big question in your life about what the Bible teaches, is why? Why is there so much blood? When we read this about blood and the blood of Christ and the blood that was sprinkled on the first commandments and on the people even and on the tabernacle, we think it seems so violent. It seems, seems so messy to us. Couldn't God have found some kinder way? In the blood, we see the true nature of sin. That sin causes death. In the blood, we see the true penalty for sin. No one can take No one can take a light view of sin when they see this blood. No one can say that God takes a light view of sin when he, when she sees the cross. So throughout the Bible, you get this expression of the blood and the power of the blood. The word blood is used over 400 times in the Bible. Faith is only used 270 times. So this is a key teaching in the Bible. In fact, to remove blood from the Bible, the teaching, would be like removing the definition from a dictionary or removing the solution from a mystery novel. It's at the core of everything. It's the core of Jesus' teaching. Jesus looked forward to the fact that his blood would be shed on the cross at the Last Supper. Remember what he said? In Luke twenty-two twenty, 20, he says, this cup, he held up this cup before his disciples, and he said, this cup is the new testament, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He looked forward to the fact that his blood was going to be poured out. And in these verses we just read, we talked about the blood of the covenant. We looked in verse 22 at the fact that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You might remember that Jesus once taught a shocking truth to the crowds who were asking for more miracles. Jesus looked at them and he said to them, unless you eat the flesh of the blood of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, why would Jesus make such a strange statement? Why would he have us celebrate his blood? Here's why. The Bible teaches us very clearly that life is in the blood. Leviticus 17, verse 14, the life of every creature is in his blood. So when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about the life of Jesus that was given for us. But let me be even more specific. We're talking about the death of Jesus that he accomplished for us. Why did Jesus give his life? Why did he shed his blood? 
We're not just talking about the blood that coursed through his veins, the life that he had. We're talking about the blood that was shed on the cross, the death of Jesus Christ. Why did he shed his blood? The Bible gives us three very specific reasons. When you look at the blood, you realize, number one, the suffering of Jesus. Jesus suffered because of our sins. Sin causes suffering. When we get to Hebrews 12, 4, we're going to read, and you're struggling against sin. You have not yet resisted or suffered to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus suffered by shedding his blood. He resisted to the point of shedding his blood. That was the depth of his commitment to you, to me. When you see all the blood that Jesus shed, it's a very clear picture of the fact that he suffered. It's no antiseptic death of Jesus, no easy death. It was a suffering death. And God wanted us to know sin is not pretty. Sin is not something that's easily dealt with. Jesus had to be willing to suffer, to go to the full extent of dying, one of the most horrific deaths possible, to pay the penalty for my sins, for your sins. You see in a movie like The Passion, very clearly, the physical suffering of Christ, what no movie can picture is the deeper suffering of Jesus. Because the physical suffering of Jesus, as deep as it was, it's nothing compared to the emotional suffering, to the spiritual suffering. Can you imagine the emotional suffering of looking at those he created who were spitting on him, who were jeering at him, come down from the cross, they said, who were beating him with sticks, ridiculing him. Can you imagine the emotional suffering? Can you imagine the spiritual suffering of Jesus? God himself in human flesh taking our sin, my sin, your sin, a sinless, perfect, holy God taking our sin upon himself. The spiritual suffering in that is beyond our imagination. Jesus suffered because of our sins. That's what the blood means. A second thing that the blood means is that Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. And that's the focus of these verses of this chapter, the sacrifice that's in the blood. The blood was all about a sacrifice. And this sacrifice that Jesus made is something that's pictured, we've seen in the book of Hebrews, all throughout the Bible. From the very beginning, God knew that Jesus was gonna die on the cross, that that was his way of reestablishing a relationship. So he started picturing this very early in the Bible, looking forward to what Jesus was going to do. There's a couple of pictures that we see in these verses. We see the original purification of the commandments, the sprinkling of the commandments by Moses, and we see the purification of the tabernacle by Moses, by sprinkling the blood. And there's another sacrifice that's not so clearly indicated here, but that's all throughout this chapter, and that is the regular sacrifices that were then made in that tabernacle, made in that temple. Throughout the Old Testament, these sacrifices of animals were made time after time after time, looking forward to what Jesus was eventually going to do on the cross. And we think, why would God do that? Why would God allow those animals to die? Why would he allow all of that to happen? Because sin causes death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. In Hebrews, we've seen this sacrifice is focused on. Back in chapter 7, verse 27, unlike the other high priests, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all. And then in 925, he's appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, something we're going to look at at the end of this week. It's a sacrifice. That's why there's blood. There's a third reason that there's blood, and it's the result of Jesus' suffering, the result of Jesus' sacrifice, and that is salvation. Jesus saves us from our sin. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And the blood says, I came to save you. I came to rescue you. It is the blood that rescues us. That is the power in the blood, the power to save, the power to rescue. Because Jesus took the punishment. The fact that his blood was shed meant he died. 
His death was for my sins, for your sins. He took the punishment. He took the death for me. So that means, because of what he did, you and I can live in relationship with God because he took the penalty. God does not want to condemn you. He wants to live in relationship with you. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to give you a relationship with God. That's what the blood on the cross is all about. So although it is a horrific thing, you think about God, Jesus, suffering on that cross. It's a horrific thing. It's not a horrible thing. There's actually beauty in what happened there. The beauty of God's love for you. The beauty of God's suffering for you. The beauty of God's sacrifice for you. And the beauty of God's salvation. That's why the blood. That's why the blood. Now tomorrow we're going to talk about how this actually works. How is it that Jesus' blood can give me salvation? But today I want to end together by just thanking him. Thanking him for what he did for us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your suffering on the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice for me. Thank you for the salvation you have given. I could say a million thank yous, and it would not exhaust the thank yous that need to be given. There are not enough words to thank you for changing the destiny of my life. The destiny of my life. I was headed for separation for God, already separated and headed for an eternity of separation. But because of your blood, because of the cross, you brought me near. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.